0: Welcome to Help from Future Self.
1: Welcome back, Archons. You're listening to another episode of Help from Future Self. It's that conversational KeyForge podcast for KeyForge friends made by KeyForge friends. My name is Scuzzy Gruen, uh, but my friends, my mom, call me Alex. And I'm joined, as always, by my pals, my KeyForge compadres. It's the Wheeling Keyforger Rick. Hey, what you doing? And it's Coach Boulevard Paper Fight. What's happening, Blake?
0: Hey guys, what's going on?
1: Never a dull moment in the world of Key Forge is a sentiment that I express very frequently at the beginning of the show, and this week is no exception. The big news is that we had our first Worlds Collide deck winning a Vault Tour over at PAX Unplugged. Did you guys have a look at this deck?
0: Yeah, I um, I saw it and it's uh, it's kind of interesting to see that, and it's it's also impressive that the very first time Worlds Collide is showing in an Archon vault tour that it takes down the tournament i think that's uh kind of impressive
1: very much so also impressive is i think a lot of people upon hearing that a worlds collide deck this one piloted by justin from tabletop royale congratulations to him for his vt victory uh a lot of people i think assumed that it would be a Dinos deck or a star alliance deck no it's dis logo shadows now to be to be fair. Dis and logos, extremely powerful, and worlds collide. But looking at this deck, like it, it's obviously a really good deck, but uh, it's just got a little bit of answer for everything. It's pretty remarkable. Uh, anything sticking out to you on uh, analysis, Blake?
0: I mean, I can see it has answers. There's nothing one thing that sticks out. It's you can see like in every house, there's a, multiple things that do well. Like I mean, the double library of the damned with the EDI seems pretty, mm-hmm. pretty good. And then having the hologramophone to ward your edi that seems quite powerful. Um, when I am looking at the stats on DOK, the the thing that sticks out to me the most is how under the speed there is a nineteen. There for the ability to like archive and go through your deck and stuff like that. That is the one thing that that number is huge. And I know I personally feel that that's kind of like the the D stat, the deck manipulation stat. I think when that is really high, your deck can do some special things because the other numbers, I mean, the Ember Control is quite quite nice too. It's like mm-hmm. a fifteen. You see the expected ember is only 14, so that's quite low. Um, you have the the board is only, um, for creature control, is only 6.4. And there's only six uh, ember pips, but yet there's 24 creatures. So that's some very, like, um, out-of-the-norm stats for a deck that wins a vault tour.
1: Yeah, no, I, I mean, looking at it, it's sort of one of those things where I go, okay, well, obviously, uh, for those who uh, of you who want to look up this deck, it's called Light Tasker, that's L-I-T-E-T-A-S-K-E-R, Market Sheriff.
0: I'll put a link in the show notes for DOK so everyone can access it more easily if they wish to.
1: Yeah. The the things that stick out to me are that it has incredible consistency. Like mm-hmm. if you're looking at this deck, you see that it has so many cards that exist in multiples. So it's that double Library of the Damned. It's got that double Infernus for for double the trouble with those cards. It's got the double Snag. It's got the double Ronnies. It's got the double J Vindas. And a bad penny to go with them. Like, it's yes. got so much consistency so that once you actually have, uh, you know, I think your your game plan figured out, you know, the digging for individual cards is going to be, I think, not as difficult because you know that you're probably going to happen into them. Plus, it's got all kinds of nice utility pieces. Like Hysteria, we've established an amazing card in Worlds Collide. Um, yes. I forgot to mention there's double Igor. So if you really are digging you know, that's a way to get through your deck as fast as possible. So I think you're absolutely correct, Blake. It's a kind of an unusual deck, but if you look at that speed, that 19, that's probably what tells the story for how uh, Justin was able to pilot this to victory for the Vault Tour. And congratulations to him once again. Really cool to see a deck like this come through and, uh, and get the big win.
0: I agree, 100%.
1: All right. Moving right along. Now, We didn't get to play at a Vault Tour, but last week we had a really good time playing a little Sealed Reversal, which is a format that I had never played before. I'm pretty sure, Rick, you hadn't played it before. Is that correct? Only once on the Crucible. Okay. Uh, And uh, (coughs) why don't you explain how that format works, Blake, because it's a kind of unusual one.
0: So how Sealed Reversal works is I had my first experience in a team event at the Vegas Vault Tour, and it's basically you have your sealed deck, and it doesn't work as well when you're playing just with a one deck sealed, which is what we did. It's ideally you want to have a couple decks to choose from, so you can choose one that may be difficult to pilot or is uh, not very good, however you want to judge the deck, Uh, because you're essentially shuffling that deck up, handing it to to your opponent, and the only information they get prior to drawing their first hand is what houses are contained. Other than that, they're figuring out the deck as they draw into it. So it's a really fun way to experience a new set i think because you're going to get to see a lot of different decks throughout the night and it's uh it's really unique too because you're basically having to pilot a deck you've never seen before but you also know the deck that your opponent's piloting very well and you can look at the archon card and see what's about to still it's kind of interesting in that way you actually know what what answers exist in there and what they're what's going to come so when you make your decisions you have that knowledge and i find that very interesting
1: Yeah, it's a super interesting format. One of the most interesting things about playing uh, is that I got to play both of you guys uh, and I got to play with both the decks and both of you guys pulled absolute dynamite TNT decks that you then had to shuffle up and hand over to me to play against you. Uh, Tell me a little something about the deck that you pulled, Blake.
0: So uh, the deck that I pulled is... (sighs) The Audible sigh, Alex. The Audible sigh. This deck had a Sorius Rex in it, which got played (laughs) against me every single game. And Sorius Rex, for those who don't know, basically allows you to look through your deck once it's in the center of the battle line. So my opponents were essentially dropping down a Sorius Rex in the center of their battle line and then getting to just look through the whole deck and exalt it and search for any Saurian card, reveal it, and then add it to their hand. So as long as he was in the center of the battle line, this six-power creature just basically wrecked me because the whole point of Sealed Reversal is they don't know the deck. And guess what? Within the first three turns, every single game, my opponent knew everything that was in the deck. It was very frustrating, but also amazing to watch how good this deck was.
2: That so, yeah the, definitely fun.
0: Yeah, the deck I opened was a Logosaurian Star Alliance, and it, it had um, a Com Officer Kirby in there, which is really cool. Kirby's Blaster, Double Chief Engineer's Walls with a bunch of... Um, things um with a bunch of upgrades to put on it it also had a senator baracus which allows all of your dinos to basically be used to spend ember and then also a senator strix on top of it so yeah it was um it was fun to go against to say the least i got wrecked it was it was not fun Mm -hmm. at all (laughs) but it was cool knowing that it's my deck at the end of the day
1: now, Rick, you also pulled an amazing looking deck. I just remember playing against you and every card I pulled, I was like, this is insane, Rick. The deck that you pulled out is absolutely incredible. I, I think the thing that stuck out to me about your deck was it has that Cincinnati Rex Golden Spiral combo. For folks who don't know how that combo works, essentially, Cincinnati Rex's power is every time he fights, he readies all friendly cards. So not just creatures, but artifacts as well. So essentially... If you have a Golden Spiral on the table, you can drop Cincinnatus Rex, fight with him, ready the Golden Spiral, and then use the Golden Spiral to exalt Cincinnatus Rex and fight with him again to ready the Spiral again. So to the point where you can rule of six, reaping with your other dinos if you have some on the board, did you get a chance to play this deck after you had it played against you and have you figured that combo out a little bit?
2: I've played it a lot. The combo really doesn't actually happen much. Um, especially seeing as I've only got three Saurian creatures oh, in yeah. the deck. But um, the other parts of the deck are really good. But yeah, um, I wish I could pull that combo off more. It just it got me excited into the deck. And the more I played it, it's it's good. I ne- I definitely need to learn it more. It's got a uh, small amount of creatures, three in Saurian, 7 in Star Alliance, and 8 in Untamed, which is not bad. That's a little late for Worlds Collide, I think, but uh, it's, it's not bad. I'm 1 in, I think, 9 or 10 on the
1: Crucible, so I'm working at it. I think one of the things that people have really realized about Worlds Collide is that because creatures are so good in it, those lower creature decks aren't, like, they're they're even worse than they used to be it's always been that like a heavy creature count is generally to your advantage and now especially with houses like star alliance and the dinos you want as many creatures as possible yeah there's good action cards but oftentimes i find they're complementary rather than an actual replacement for for the good cards would you agree with that assessment blake
0: yeah i would agree
1: yeah. The deck that I pulled, much less impressive than either of you, although it did have two really cool things in it. It had two Legacy cards. It had a Punch in Brobnar and a Relentless Whispers in Shadows. Nice to see those in a Worlds Collide deck. I have fun playing with this one. It's not very competitive, but it is a very fun casual deck, especially in the Worlds Collide meta, and I've been busting it out quite a bit on, on the Crucible just for for funsies games. Um, Moving right along. Blake and Rick, I understand that we're bringing back a segment that we haven't done in quite some time. This one's called Coach's Corner, and uh, in this one, Coach is going to be providing some direct guidance for Rick. So, Rick, what's your question for Coach? Basically,
2: I just am looking to Coach for help in how to play this more correctly. It's just, it's a little bit too combo-y for me to understand it properly. So, any help I can get will be greatly appreciated on this.
0: So Rick, you're talking about the deck that we were just talking about, the one yes. from from the your dutiful, sealed.
2: The dutiful singer counselor of Oak Branch is the name.
0: So okay, what I why don't you break down uh so this this basically the essence of this deck and the thing that sticks out the most is the fact that it has the golden spiral Cincinnati Rex combo. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. So let's break down the deck um just slightly for for why there could be issues. And and I'm gonna speak about this in general terms. So you, you want to play that combo, obviously, because you see it. But what is the creature count in each house?
2: The creature count in Saurians is 3, so, uh, Starlines is 7, and Untamed
0: has 8. So the Saurians have exactly 3 creatures total, including Cincinnati? Yep. Okay. So right there, you know you're never going to get to properly utilize um, your Cincinnati's Rex combo as a result. Unfortunately, because of the fact that um, that exists. Now... Do you happen to have um, in your Star Alliance anything that can house cheat and use other creatures?
2: I do. I have ten, uh, I have 10.
0: One or two? One. One chance. So that's. I think that's going to be your best route. So I think the way that this works is that you have a situation where you're, you want to play this combo and you and you lean towards it. But And some of us, I think we all have decks that have this combo. That you're like, oh, it has the combo. But when you look at The house itself it doesn't lead to making the combo as successful as it should be basically and i think that's the vibe i'm getting from the way you're describing it so you have to actually rely on your your other creatures that get on board more Mm -hmm. um and have you been having success with that uh
2: like i was like i was saying i've only won with it once and i played it like uh, just about 15 times
0: so where do you find you're struggling with? Like, do you do you know? Do you can you pinpoint where the the pain points are that's causing you the issues?
2: I really don't because I'm I'm doing the uh, the bouncing death quirk, um,
0: the delta, delta formula,
2: delta formula, yeah, and it's just not working out for me in, in my favor.
0: Okay, so I think when you get into this position with a deck, it, it could be that um, as good as a deck seems on paper, sometimes it's just missing like a couple of cards that really solidify it as a strong deck and actually can perform. And I, I feel like that may be the situation here. Um, but I think you said untamed has eight creatures, right? Yes. So I think you're, you're almost wanting to lend to playing your, your, your star Alliance or your untamed house and just ignore your dinos. And if you have a way of archiving them, obviously that would be the best bet and save it up for a turn but if not i think you kind of need to just get your get your things in order in the other houses and utilize them so get on board with your untamed get on board with your star alliance and then look to utilize that to your advantage and all the tricks that exist there and this is this is sorry go ahead
2: there's definitely a lot of star alliance tricks i've been having fun with them
0: Perfect. So then that's the game plan you want to stick to. Whatever you start noticing is shining. That's what you kind of want to stick to. Um, And this is what I, this is the advice that I think we're going to take from coach's corner today is that a combo deck is only as good as how often you can pull off the combo. And if you can't, then everything else that exists within the deck actually becomes what the deck is about. And it's not about the combo. The combo is a bonus that can go off because I believe that Martian generosity, key abduction, the Genka decks are the ones that really kind of hit this this kind of this idea, and made you realize that sometimes you're not going to hit your Martian generosity and your key abduction. Like there are two pieces that have to come together. Uh, this deck obviously has an artifact that once it's down, you just need the other piece. Yeah. So. That makes it a lot more challenging, and and with Martian Generosity, your deck is only as good as the cards that are not the Martian Generosity key abduction part of it, because you're you're relying on things that you don't know if you're going to get them when they're going to come, and that's it. That's the case with any combo deck is, you got to have ways either to to dig for it and get the combo, or you need to understand that that deck is great without the combo, and the combo is just a cherry on top to really help you, um, have success with the deck. So that's that's the the coach's corner advice for this week is um, when you're playing a combo deck, Is sometimes you can't be too locked into the combo. You need to allow the rest of the deck to shine, and if it doesn't, then maybe you need to reevaluate evaluate um, what tournament and competitive level you're going to pilot that deck. Definitely
2: sounds good. Thank you very
1: much. Of course. So we just heard some sage advice from Coach, but uh, as always, the end of every episode has to be a little advice segment we like to call Help, Help, from, Help Future from, from Future self. Future self. Blake, I understand you have another piece of advice for us. Hit us.
0: This one is a little bit different type of advice. So I was playing with my friend uh, the other night and I've identified a pretty saucy deck and I'm testing it and I asked him to help me test and I gave him like my, my top rated deck that I thought would be really good. And... We played some games, and he's not an avid Keyforge player, but he he likes it. He doesn't go. He always plays with me. We play like once a week, but he he doesn't go out to tournaments yet. But he he's a pretty quality player. And I played this deck that he said it was one of the most degenerate decks I've ever played against him. And he said he did not enjoy playing Keyforge because <laughs> of it. And it was one of those things where you have to be very conscious of the decks you play in the situations. Um, and this is a lesson, especially when you're playing against a player who is is, uh, I guess, not as into it and understands things. And and this the reason why this deck is so gross is because the turns take a long time because there's a lot of house cheating. So I'm going back and forth and activating a lot of things. So it causes there to be uh, longer turns when it's on my side of the table. And you got to be conscious of that with certain players. And going back is, I, I don't want him to dislike the game of Keyforge because he's it's something fun that we get to do when we hang out. And we don't spend the whole night doing it. We just play like two games or something like that. But... Um, to decrease his interest in the game would mean it'd be one less thing that we get to do. And so I have to be very conscious about bringing these degenerate decks. Now to defend myself is this was like my first time actually playing this deck. So I did not realize how degenerative it was, but it did exactly what I thought it would do. And it did it real good. So my advice for everyone is when you're having your friends play Keyforge with you, no matter how good a deck you give them, make sure it's one where you can actually have kind of more more back and forth instead of you doing a lot on one one side of the table because you're gonna kind of lose them. It's it's kind of in a way like how the reason why Nepency got nerfed a little bit was that Nepency lands combo thing that just happened because it created one side of the the. The table was playing and the other person was just watching and it wasn't obviously to that degree but he had that feeling i think that we witnessed when you if you ever watch that video so just be conscious of the decks you're playing when you're playing in a non-competitive setting and the effect it will have on your opponent especially if they're your friend
1: sage advice as always all right, we got another episode to record right away, so let's cap this one off. If you are looking for us online, you can find us on Twitter at HFFS Podcast. We're also on Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast. You can find me at Gruen on the Crucible on Twitter and on Instagram. Shout out to Asmodee Canada. Um, where can they find you, Rick?
2: On Twitter at the Wheeling Keep and on the Crucible as Richter78.
0: And where can they find you, Blake? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BLVD Paperfight. That's a Boulevard Paperfight. As well as my uh, YouTube is under the same name. Sweet.
1: That's all the time we have for you this week. We'll see you again very soon. And until then, stay fortunate.